Normally, we preach an expository type sermon, uh, maybe sometimes a topical sermon, uh, but many times an expository sermon where I tell you to turn to one text and you turn there and we just walk through it. But today is a little different again. Today, we're continuing our sermon series called Scripture Stories. In Scripture Stories, the idea is to um, hear from one of your brothers and sisters, one of our church members, about how God's Word has impacted their life. And one or two of them had one Scripture that this has meant a lot to me over many times in my life. And some of them had many Scriptures, and that's what you'll see today is we talk about, I can do all things through Christ, you'll recognize that, Philippians 4.13, even forgive. And I'll invite Kathy Bateman up, and she, along with her husband Randy, are going to share her story in just a few minutes. But that's where we're going today with uh, uh, our scriptures. So you'll have a couple different scriptures to turn to back and forth. But we do have our scripture memory verse of the month that I want to have put up on the screen there and have you say it with me with the reference and then the verse and the reference again. Let's say that together. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we come before you this morning, the songs that we sang as a congregation reminded us of your goodness and your grace, that you are always with us and that you are sovereign. Even the songs that the boys and girls sang that came straight out of the book of Psalms again and again reminded us that you are always with us and that we can trust you in all circumstances. And sometimes, God, it's not so much the trust we need in the circumstance, but it's the recovery from the circumstance and the way that things continue to burden us and trouble us. And as we open your word today, and as we hear from Kathy today, it's our prayer that you'd speak to us by your spirit, that the areas in our life where we need your strength and your power to overcome, that we would see maybe it's that we need to surrender that to you. And God, the areas in our life where we need to forgive, because there's grown a root of bitterness that may have turned to anger and may have even turned to all sorts of ugly and nasty things within us and the way we treat others, that we would be free from that. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we open your word and as your Holy Spirit is among us, you would speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. And everyone said, Amen. Well, friends, I want to introduce you to Randy and Kathy Bateman and ask them to join me on the stage now. Would you join me in welcoming them? Thank you. So, uh, Kathy, I guess you guys have been at Southview maybe longer than me, huh? (laughs) Yeah, um, we came in October of 1988. Just a little longer than me. Yeah, yeah, I've been here for almost 13 years now, (laughs) so you got me beat by um, just a few years. I'm not going to do the math. Um, But yeah, and so, you know, I have had the privilege as your brother in Christ, your friend and your pastor to walk with you guys through some difficult circumstances, and you're going to tell us some of those things in just a minute. Yes. Um, And at times it's been heartbreaking for me, and I can't imagine how Randy and Kathy have borne up under the burdens that they have struggled with, and to see God's grace and their faithfulness as well. So I'm very thankful 
that you're willing to share your story with us. But at the root of what Kathy wants to share with us today is about forgiveness. And so I want to real quick hit a few things that forgiveness is and forgiveness is not. And also give you a commercial. Because I preached a sermon series on forgiveness in 2015. It was in September of 2015. And so what I'm about to tell you comes straight out of that sermon from uh, the 27th of September, 2015. So you can go to southviewbaptist.org backslash podcast. And uh, you can scroll back through there and find this very sermon on forgiveness. Or I would recommend to you what I tell most people when I talk about forgiveness The book written by R.T. Kendall, Total Forgiveness, I would recommend every believer in Jesus read that. Because if you're breathing, if you have life in your body, somebody's sinned against you, somebody's offended you, or a whole bunch of somebody's, and you need to deal with forgiveness issues. And until you read a book like that and are challenged, you may not even think about it. But let me just tell you a few things very quickly that forgiveness is and forgiveness is not. The first one is that forgiveness is not approving of what the other person did. It is not approving of what the other person did. Just because you forgive them certainly doesn't mean you approve. The corollary to that is it is forgiving with full awareness of what they did. You recognize and name exactly the wrong done to you. Now, the second thing to tell you that forgiveness is not is it is not excusing what the other person did. Wrong is wrong, right? I mean, wrong is wrong. We have to say that that's wrong. But the corollary there, it is giving grace because of what they did. You're not excusing it, but you're giving grace. Our third point, that forgiveness is not justifying what the other person did. So often we live in a society where we seek to justify ourselves, and frankly, trying to be gracious, and as believers in Jesus, we many times want to justify even what somebody else did, even though it was wrong. But what we need to remember there is it's not justifying what the other person did. It is resisting bitterness to that person even because of what they did. Resisting bitterness because the roots of unforgiveness grow into bitterness and grows into anger and grows into a grudge and can actually grow into rage and all sorts of nasty fruit come from the root of unforgiveness. The fourth thing that forgiveness is not is it's not pardoning what the other person did. You're not absolutely forgiving them without consequence for uh, their sin or their offense. The corollary there is it's not pardoning them, but it is being merciful to the other person. That recognizing fully that what they have done to you is wrong, calling it for what it is, you still seek to share mercy with them, even though what they've done is wrong and possibly even grievously wrong. Fifth is it's not refusing to take the wrong seriously. So many times we want to excuse the wrong done to us and thereby ignore it, but also ignoring the damage it does to us. And this is really um, unhealthy psychologically and emotionally. The corollary there is that it's refusing to punish them for what they did. You're not refusing to take them seriously, but you are refusing to punish them. And so many times we may say, oh, I've forgiven them. Yet we live in such a way that we have not forgiven them. By the way we continue to talk to them, the way we continue to treat them poorly, the way we continue to talk to others about them is gossip and that's sin. The way that we continue to hold a grudge. 
We've got to overcome those things. And again, I said these would be very quick, but the sixth one is that it is not pretending that we are not hurt. Friends, if you're hurt, own it. If you're hurt, recognize it. We don't want to celebrate your hurt necessarily because that wouldn't be the right thing to do. But to be honest about the fact that you were sinned against, that you were offended. It's not pretending that we are not hurt, but it is choosing to keep no record of wrong. The Bible has a whole lot to say about forgiveness. And unfortunately, in this sermon, we can't touch on all of them. That's why I tell you to read Kendall's book, Total Forgiveness, or go back to September 2015 and listen to the sermon series where I believe I had five sermons of 35, 40 minutes each about forgiveness and deal more deeply with forgiveness. So that's some reasons or some things about what forgiveness is not and what forgiveness is. But the question is, why? Why do we forgive? Because God forgives. Ephesians 4.32 reminds us to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. We have been forgiven. Everybody say, I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven. Yeah. Do you realize that no matter what you've done, no matter how bad it may have been by your feelings or the world's standards or God's standards, that God will forgive you of that. That He'll remove your sin as far as the east is from the west, and He will purify and cleanse your sin if you confess and ask Him that you have been forgiven. And because you've been forgiven, He asks you to forgive. So on your outline there, look in your outline. I haven't got there yet, but now we're there. The first point on your outline is that we forgive as God forgave us. We forgive as God forgave us. You can write down Ephesians 4.32. I read to you there a moment ago. But you also have Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13. And uh, if you can, turn with me there. I know it's on the screen. I know you might have another way to look at it. But to mark it in your own Bible. To read it with your own eyes. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. A couple things here. We're reminded to bear with, actually to forbear, to stand up under the pressures or the pains or the concerns, the anxiety that another person puts us through. We're to bear with them. And to do that with patience and perseverance, not to grow weary in that doing of good. And then it says, not only are we to bear with the way we feel about that person and their actions towards us, but we are to forgive whatever grievances we have against one another. It may be that there's one person in particular that you would admit that you struggle with forgiving. And you have that person in your mind now and you even think, how can I forgive? The how is another question. And we're going to get there in our second, third, and fourth points. Because as Kathy explained it to me, she couldn't do it on her own. But notice the last sentence there of Colossians 3.13. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
Hebrews 12, 15, write that one down. Hebrews 12, 15 says to see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause you trouble and defile many. No bitter roots. So when Kathy and I talked about this, she started with one scripture, but then she said, oh, there's, that's the reason why. And so I've introduced this idea of forgiveness, talked a little bit about what it is and what it is not, and given us a couple of scriptures to tell us about that. But now I need to let Kathy take up her microphone and uh, talk to us for a few minutes about her story so you would understand why it is that forgiveness is so important to her. So, Kathy, share with us. So, I guess you would say that um, my journey for learning to forgive started when I was five. Um, I remember hearing my parents arguing and my mother taking off her wedding ring throwing it at my dad and telling him, take your ring and your kids because I don't want any of them. Sorry. My dad took me and my two-year-old brother from New Mexico where he was stationed in the Air Force to Kimball, Nebraska to live with his parents. I would be there until I turned 19 and married Randy. Um, Over the years, my dad chose alcohol over his kids. I remember the kids in school laughing at me because I was being raised by my grandma and grandpa. They would say things that were hurtful. Kimball's a small town, and so everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows what's going on in your life and your business, or they think they do. Kids would say things like, I wonder if Kathy will grow up to be a drunk like her dad, or loose like her mom. That hurt. My dad would leave for months on end. Sometimes it was a year. I remember one time, um, he came through town, he was working with a small carnival. I didn't even know he was in town until I came to school. And the kids were laughing and saying that they had seen my dad drunk as a skunk work in the carny. Hmm. Every once in a while when he came through town, he'd stop and he'd pick me up after school and he'd take me to the bar and I'd sit there and watch him drink. On one of these times, on our way home to the farm, he almost killed us both because he was so drunk. After that, my grandparents forbid him to ever pick me up from school again. I hated it when he would come home. And I would, I would say that I hated him. And my grandma would tell me, honey, you've got to forgive him. If something happened to him tonight, you would regret it for the rest of your life. Give it to God and forgive. But I was just a little kid, and, you know, that's not easy, especially in a small town. It was apparent to me that my dad 
wasn't interested in what was going on in me or my little brother's life. He never asked how we were doing or was remotely interested in what was going on with us. He was only interested in where his next drink was coming from or where the closest bar was. When I was 15, God did answer a prayer. My dad stopped drinking. He remarried, had a new family, but guess what? I wasn't a part of it. There was always someone or something that was more important to him than I was, or that's how I felt. When he would make an appearance in my life, it was, I always said it was like, add water, instant dad. Here I am. I'm your dad. Look at me. And he still didn't take an interest in me. He just wanted everybody to see that he was my dad and take credit for raising me when it was his parents who did that. They played the role of mom and dad. And I miss them every day. Over the years, they gave me such godly counsel and encouraged me to forgive. My mom, that's another story. She chose alcohol, drugs, and men over her own children. She actually had three separate families, totaling seven children, and she left all seven. From the time I was five until I was 22, I saw my mother three times. One time, when I was about nine years old, my mother and her husband at the time came to visit us out on the farm. I hid in a closet and cried because I didn't want to see her. My grandma and grandpa made me come out of that closet and go see her. They encouraged visits and contacts, phone calls. Thing is, they just didn't come. The last time I saw my mom, I was 22 years old and an excited, expectant mother for the first time with our son, Ryan. But that visit was less than pleasant. She, I was about six months pregnant. She looked me up and down and told me I always hated being pregnant. Then she accused my grandparents of brainwashing me against her. But that couldn't have been further from the truth. Because they encouraged me to forgive her and to reach out to her. They encouraged phone calls. They just never came. She died shortly after our second son, Casey, was born. I was unable to forgive her before she died. <clears throat> but my journey to forgiveness wasn't over. God led me on another path when we adopted a 10-year-old little girl. It was during that time that Philippians 4.13 became my verse. Hmm. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Over the course of the next eight years... I would experience heartache, betrayal, unlike anything I had ever experienced before. Some of you know Mackenzie. She was always a difficult child. 
but starting at age 14, she started using drugs, sneaking out of the house. At one point, she gave herself a hickey on her arm and tried to convince school officials that I had bruised her. She started running away. At one point, she jumped out of our van at a stoplight and took off running into a cemetery. When the police would find her, she would cuss and swear, and call us nasty and vile names, refuse to come home. But when given no other choice but to come home, she would apologize, beg for forgiveness, swear up and down, this will never happen again. But it did, over and over, and the next time it would be worse than the time before. She would tell people Randy and I were mistreating her. She told members of our family, our friends, our church family, police, anybody who would listen. We received calls from, friend, from her mother's, mothers of her friends. And you know, the part that hurts the worst, some of these people actually believed her. <laughs> At one point, she falsely accused Randy of beating her. We had a police officer come to our home and interrogate us. But we're so thankful that God intervened and gave this officer insight. He sat Mackenzie down and told her, I don't believe a word you're saying. You're only doing this because you're afraid you're going to get in trouble and get grounded for sneaking out of your house. She finally admitted that, yeah, that was what was. But the damage had already been done. This type of behavior went on for years. But if you can believe it, it actually got worse. Things came to a head when I filed a protection order against her because I was afraid. At one point, Randy called 911 and told the police, you need to get somebody out here. I think my daughter's going to hit my wife. When I filed that protection order, it was the hardest thing I had ever done in my life. We felt like we had failed. It affected our relationships with our three boys. They didn't want to spend time at home. Our oldest son was in college, and he would rarely come over because he didn't want to be a part of the drama and the stress. <clears throat> After a year, when the protection order expired, we met with her and decided to make a fresh start. We were going to forgive and move forward, start fresh. She was pregnant, and we helped her get set up with things that she would need. We encouraged her, accepted her back into the family, and we encouraged family members who were reluctant to allow her back in. We begged and encouraged them. Give her a chance. Let her back. Open your hearts. It appeared to be better. 
that only lasted about seven months until her and her boyfriend came over one night to kind of scope out what we had in our house. Two days later, they would break into our home, ransack our house. They terrorized our dogs and locked them in a bathroom. And they stole. They stole our stuff. When the police arrested her, the police officer told me, he asked her about him. She said, yeah, I stole my mom's stuff. I stole her jewelry. She had no remorse. All that bitterness and <clears throat> anger <clears throat> that I thought I had let go of came back in full force. And I kept hearing my grandma say, forgive him, honey, or it'll eat you alive. And I remembered a Bible verse in Matthew 18, 21, and 22, where they asked Jesus, how many times do you forgive? And he said, not seven, but 70 times seven. And I honestly felt like I had forgiven 490 times. I was being asked to, give, to forgive 1,490 times more and to keep forgiving. So the question on your outline, maybe it's the wrong question, because it asks, how easily do I forgive? Maybe it should be turned around, and how difficult is it for me to forgive? You all may not have been through such repeated and grievous sins or offenses as Kathy has. But when we ask that question, how easily do I forgive, it, it may be a response that's varied. Well, it depends on what was done to me. It depends on how often it was done to me. It depends on with what intent it seemed to be done to me. The background of the person, your relationship with the person. But on average, how easily do you forgive? Do you forgive as one who has been forgiven? So, Kathy, you had childhood years, teenage years, young adult years, and now as a mom of three boys, you'd adopted this young lady into your home to give her a new start, but in turn she was terrible and hurtful to you. And that's where you said Philippians 4.13 came in. The second point on your outline comes straight from Kathy's story, and that is that we can do anything through Jesus. Anything. Think about how big anything is. Philippians 4.13 says, mm -hmm. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ. Everybody say I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Even forgive. No matter what. Even forgive. 
that you can do all things through Christ. All means all. But remember, it says you can do all things through Christ, not on your own. If you've tried on your own and you've been frustrated, there's a reason. Some things you're not big enough. Some things you're not strong enough. Some things you were never meant to do on your own. But we serve a God, according to Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, that can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all. There's that word again. All we ask or imagine. All things through Christ. So, Kathy, tell us about that and doing all things through Christ. I know you've got some more of your story to share. I would like to think that I forgive easily. But I don't think I had truly forgiven. I think I had just put it out of my mind and shoved it under the bed, under a rug. There are times I I did. I just wanted to give up, throw in the towel, call it quits because my mental health was affected. I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. My mother-in-law and father-in-law would come during some of those dark times. They would come from Kimball to Lincoln and they were worried. They told Randy, I think she's going to have a breakdown. At one point, I lost over 30 pounds. That wasn't healthy. And if my dad called, I would ignore the call. I wouldn't go visit him. I wouldn't take his calls. Because I just didn't feel like he was interested or cared about what was going on. And I didn't have the energy to listen to his stories about how much everybody loved him in Scott's Bluff. <clears throat> you know, when Mackenzie, when the protection order expired and, and she was about to give birth to her baby, Randy said, we should go. We should go see her. And I told him, I'm not going. I can't. I just can't. I forgive her, but I just can't go. I can't do it. And he said, we have to do this. It's the right thing to do. I went, but I didn't want to. But you know, God used that baby boy to soften my heart. And I realized I can't do this by myself. But through Christ, I could. He could give me the strength to forgive. And I can do it through him. I tried it on my own. Look where that got me. You know, people think if you're a Christian and someone does you wrong, you forgive, you forget, you move on. You know, because that's what you're supposed to do. But it doesn't work that way. Because forgiveness isn't a one and done thing. It's a daily decision, conscious decision. You know, and that's the part that I struggle with every day. But I have Christ in my corner, and he gives me the strength to forgive. Through him, I can forgive. 
I can persevere and I can make it. You've got a question there that asks, what have I failed at doing alone? You've tried it on your own, but you just can't do it. Forgiveness might be at the top of that list for many of us. It may be dealing with a habit, an addiction, a sin for some of us. That we cannot do it on our own. But just as forgiveness is a process that is an act of the will in which you willfully choose to forgive. But you need to continue to choose to forgive, particularly if that person is still in your life, particularly if they still offend you or sin against you, particularly as the devil, the liar brings back to your memory the things that person has done to you. What have I failed at doing alone? Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy burdened, or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of us, recognizing that we cannot forgive on our own, cannot overcome a sinful habit on our own, need to come to Jesus with our palms up, even physically with our hands, as well as spiritually in our mind's eye, and say, Jesus, I give this to you. I cannot do this alone because I wasn't meant to do this alone. Your third point on your outline comes also from Philippians 4. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And it says that we should do nothing Or do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And there's a promise here. Verse 7. And the peace of God which transcends all. There's that word again. Understanding. Will guard your hearts. And your minds. In Christ Jesus. Your point there is that we find peace through prayer. Most of us try to find peace through escape. We try to find peace through ignoring the problem. We try to find peace all sorts of ways. But the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that we find it through prayer. That's where it comes from. And so... That's where I continually remind myself and remind you that we need a daily quiet time. A daily devotional time where we read scripture and where we pray. Where we're not distracted by other things. And we can focus on what the God of the whole universe who loves us. And pursues a continuing love relationship with us. Desires to teach us. And how he would give us wisdom and how he would give us comfort. We need weekly Bible study with others, whether that's Sunday school or a small group. We need accountability in a small group or one-on-one with another brother or sister in Christ or with our spouse. And I think Kathy um, maybe can illustrate finding peace through prayer just real quickly because our time is drawing short and we've got to get our fourth scripture. We don't want to leave that one out because it's a good one. So tell us, Kathy, about that. 
in prayer and how that has helped you? Well, we couldn't have made it without taking our requests to God in prayer. Um, it, it reminds me of the Gaither song, Without Him, I Would Be Nothing. Without Him, I'd Surely Fail. Without Him, I'd Be Drifting Like a Ship Without a Sail. Without Him, How Lost I Would Be. You know, um, during this time, a dear friend of mine, Mark Kinnon, who was battling cancer at the mm -hmm. time, um, was an inspiration to me. And he came to my desk one day and he said, you know what, Kathy? You can't change the wind, but you can change the direction of your sail. And by forgiving, my sail changed directions. <laughs> you know, and I still struggle every day with forgiveness. But I've decided that I am changing that direction. And I can do it by giving this request to God and letting him handle it for me because I can't do it on my own. Another verse that Randy and I clung to during the hardest times was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And we know if we trust God, He'll take care of us. We don't always understand the things or why we're being tested and sent through these things. But we trust that he's going to take us through them. Amen. So I'm guessing Randy's not the only one just because he's sitting beside you here, Kathy. But I'm sure all of you noticed there's a difference in her countenance there, wasn't there? Even her face and what she said and the way she said it. That would show me that you forgiveness is real for you, huh, Kathy? Yes. That you've done that. And I just point that out to get us to our third question that Chris will put on the screen for you. And that's, what do I need to give God? Because I think you just saw the evidence before your eyes that when you ask God to help you forgive, you can. And it changes the way you feel about things. You saw Kathy's hurt was still very real in the first and second times that she talked. But now in this third time, talking about where she's at now, there was a change. So the hurt's still there. That doesn't go away. But the way we deal with that hurt, because we've given it to God and we know that he's giving us strength to make it through, that changes. You just illustrated your own point about you can't change the wind. You just change the direction of your sail. Well done. So your fourth point on your outline, this one ties it up for us. And that is that we are strengthened by God. We are strengthened by God. And so that's from Isaiah 40, 31. And some of you know that one. You might even have it printed on a plaque in your house. You know, that kind of thing. This is the kind that sometimes if folks get tattoos, they get this scripture reference tattooed on them because of what it means. And it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It, your translation of scripture says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Kathy, do you have something to tell us about waiting on God or that hope? And Because uh, we've got to close. We're running long here. Um, my grandma used to tell me, honey, you have to bloom where you're planted. 
because not all the seeds that are sown are sown on smooth and fertile ground. <laughs> she said, some of the prettiest wildflowers and most unique trees grow among those rocks. The unforgiveness, bitterness, and anger that affected every aspect of my life, my health, confidence, and relationships, I'd say those are my rocky areas where my seeds were planted. But no matter what happens, I can put my faith and hope in Christ, and I can soar on those wings like eagles, and I can run and not be weary, and I can walk and not faint. Amen. Amen. You've got one last application question to spur your thinking, friends, and that's why should I wait on God? Why should I wait on God? Let's pray together. God, our Father, as we come to this time of invitation and we think about waiting on you and all that we have been through, we thank you for Kathy and her willingness to share her story and that she illustrates for us that forgiveness is real. And that we can overcome the things of our past when we trust in you and we get your strength. So, Father, I pray for those of us that have something to forgive. That we would do that right now. I pray for those of us who are struggling and we know we need to forgive something. And maybe we're not ready, but we need to talk to somebody about it right now and I also pray for those who need to be forgiven that they've never trusted Christ as their Savior they need to confess their sins and ask for His forgiveness this morning that they would do that right now as well we pray these things in Jesus name Amen